our preaching starts the week. And if you think about that, practically speaking, it's the first day of the week. Sunday, the day of resurrection. And if the most important thing in ministry, and it's been this way since Moses, it's been this way since uh, the Apostle Paul, is that public declaration of the gospel. It's amazing that it's the first thing that people get to start their week off with is the good news. Well, welcome to From the Classroom of Heidelberg Theological Seminary. I'm Dr. J.P. Mosley, Academic Dean and Registrar here at the seminary, teach biblical studies and systematic theology. And with me again is Dr. Maynard Kerner, President of the seminary. And as uh, we said last time, uh, he is currently teaching pastoral theology with some of our uh, upperclassmen, uh, students preparing for graduation here soon. And in this particular episode, we're going to talk about preaching. We're going to look at it from a pastoral theological perspective of this is the task of the pastor. It starts with preaching. In order to do this, I, I want to begin. We've looked at this passage before uh, on, this, on this podcast. I'm going to read it again. Uh, but from Romans 10, and it's, it's getting at to the question of preaching. And I'm going to start reading at verse 12, Romans 10, verse 12. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him uh, whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? And he goes on to quote, um, you know, one of the prophets, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of, of peace. And so there, the Apostle Paul is really, as, as we saw last in the last episode, you know, he did have a public ministry where he preached the gospel and proclaimed the gospel. He also had the family visitation ministry. But let's, let's, let's dive back away from family visitation and let's jump back to that public proclamation of the gospel. And, 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 and the task that the pastor has here. You um, mentioned um, in your reading from Romans 10, which is a, a, a very foundational passage concerning preaching, about how can they preach unless they be sent. Yeah. Uh, that deals with the office, the office of minister, and we speak of it as a ministry of the word and sacrament. It is the office by which God and through which God speaks to his people. Not to get into the homiletical end of it, but we believe that uh, Romans tells us that in fact in corporate worship it is Jesus speaking to the, the congregation. Yes. But the point there is, is that this is not just something that the preacher happens to have read in the scriptures and say, you know, I think... Uh, I can lay this out kind of like a buffet table. Maybe there's something here that somebody can get something from. No, this is the word of God to God's people. God's people are a people picking up from, uh, as well, our um, 
more recent conversation about uh, 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 taking care of the sheep in terms of um, feeding the sheep with uh, a personal way, but God's covenant people are people who feed upon the word of God. And if there is anything that we do uh, that is the starting point of the church of Jesus Christ, it is the preaching of God's word. That has to be central. Um, that has to be the focus of the, of the seminary. Uh, we don't only, we don't just teach theology and then tack on a, a, a class on, on how to form a sermon. But in all of our theology, we always are working towards how you're going to preach this to your congregation. Um, and, and so uh, preaching is covenantal. Preaching is preaching to God's people in the corporate worship. That's very good. Uh, the, one of the things that, as you were as you were uh, continuing the discussion here, I, one of the things that popped out to me was the fact that our preaching starts the week. And if you think about that, practically speaking, it's the first day of the week, Sunday, the day of resurrection. And if the most important thing in ministry, and it's been this way since Moses, it's been this way since uh, the Apostle Paul, is that public declaration of the gospel. It's amazing that it's the first thing that people get to start their week off with is the good news. The... Um... There's a picture in the Old Testament I'm just reminded of as you're speaking in which you have the entire camp of Israel camped out yeah, and they've just set up the tabernacle. Is this at the end of Exodus? Uh, it's in Numbers, actually. Oh, Numbers number chapter two. 2 is what yeah. I'm thinking about. Okay. The whole camp surrounds. Yeah, yeah. And the indication is that, the, of course, the camps are by tribes. Each tribe has its camp. Each tribe has its flag, if you will, its standard bearer, and they're pointed at the tabernacle to remind the people, even though if you think about that campground, I've often thought about that. What a fantastic campground that must have been. There were at minimum three, if not so high as six million people in that campground. Um, but their focus was on the tabernacle because that's where God's presence was. Okay? And, and so as they... As, as God uh, was there and indicated by the cloud and the fire at night and when it moved and the camp moved. So there was always the response. In the New Testament, we have kind of the opposite, that now that we are um, covered, the work of Christ, the work of the gospel is completed in Christ, we start out with our life as central around the word of God. And the point that that brings home to me is we kind of say, well, okay, I go to church on Sunday and then, um, and I'll try to make every effort to be back here next Sunday. But in the meantime, Monday through Saturday, I've got this life to live. <laughs> no, Sunday is the um, gassing up the gas tank, if you will, for living the life that week. And if you're serving Christ with your eyes still on God, picture of the tabernacle in the middle your life is always that way then by sun by saturday night you're ready for another filling up the gas tank on sunday so preaching ought to be 
in such a way and the response of God's people ought to be in such a way that preaching is something that we receive as, wow, this, this is really what I needed and I'm ready and now I go and, and as I've applied that preaching, it only gets me ready for another session the next week, brings me right back. Yeah, yeah. in other words, I've, I've, I've put it to people this way. I said, what you get on Sunday needs to infiltrate what you're doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so on. And in your sermon, people need to be able to reflect upon that by Thursday. It needs to talk about what they've, what they're, you call it marching orders. I was just going to yeah, say that. It talks about what you've got to do. And, and it needs to be, another aspect of it is it, it needs to be timely. You know, you and I have discussed back when 9-11 happened. Yeah. You, know, you, you were getting ready to start in a new work, and you already had your sermon prepared, and you set that sermon aside because you needed to give a timely message. And it seems like those timely messages are needed more often, all yeah. the time. Yeah. We live in a world in which there are worldwide implications that are serious implications in our lifetime right now. We're, we're wondering about... Is somebody going to shoot off a nuclear warhead yet uh, with how things are going right now? I haven't put that out of the possibilities yet. Um, that's serious implication, and people ought to be able to, Lord, speak to me on Sunday. Yes. Set, settle me down. And that's why, as you just said, I was thinking as soon as you said that, a little bit of a homiletical note here. I use that phrase, uh, the, the way you conclude the sermon is not just have a bunch of high platitudes over here about the sovereignty of God, but now at the end you say, given the people the marching orders, they take that into their life and go to work with it. Yeah. Now, getting, getting to pastoral theology, getting into uh, you know, uh, functional ministry in a sense, all right, because there's things called functional fitness. I'm still not sure. What? If, well, that's right. What is functional? It just means it works. Um, I read an article, and I think you had. I think you've read the same article because I'm pretty sure you, I got it in seminary, and I think you handed it out uh, when we were doing one other one other activity. And it one of the main points of the article had to deal with, and I believe it was written by an elder in a church. You know, one of the things it says is remove off of the door of the pastor the term pastor's office and put up their pastor's study. And then it actually says, and then throw them in there, shut the door and lock it and say, don't you come out until you have a word of God for us, meaning the sermon. And it was, it's the article has to deal with preaching is declining and it's declining because like we talked about in the last episode, the pastor is probably going off and doing everything else and the elders aren't involved in that type of ministry. Well, when the elders are in type of, guess what preaching becomes much stronger? Yes. Because the pastor is able to do what his office requires of him to do. His office is something that he holds. It's, it's a title he has. It's not a room that he's in. His study is that place he needs to go to be able to close the door and not have to worry about being bombarded unless it's your toddler you know let's say your studies at home that's some of the greatest uh, the greatest excuses to be distracted is when a toddler runs in but the, but the point i'm making is i i wonder if what ought to happen is a revival of 
getting back to good study habits as, as, as pastors of, of not only reading your people and studying your people, but getting back to reading the scriptures and studying the scriptures with the communion of the saints. Yeah, there's a couple of thoughts that come to my mind uh, as, as you speak. One of them is, you know, we, we sort of choke about this, but it's something that is all too true, or at least has been in times in my experience, you know, where people talk, well, the only day the preacher works is on Sunday. Oh, yeah. And the idea there is that he doesn't do any study, he just walks in a pulpit and says something. No, he needs to immerse himself in the Word. Yeah. And to preparing himself for the preaching of the Word. Because, again, he is the conduit by which God speaks to his people. So the pastor better know what it is that God would say to his people. Absolutely. And that's a that's a scary proposition in a Reformed church. We have creeds, and so those are, uh, I think, creeds are are a tremendous comfort level for the preacher because we know if we're in. If you think of it, offense. We're in defense. We're 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 safe. We're preaching what uh, what the the church is that this is what the scripture teaches. Um, uh, I'm not remembering all the other thoughts that had come to my mind about this, but I think. Uh, absolutely. Um, I heard, oh yes, yeah, so I was going to talk about this. I, uh, I heard about a church several years ago. I was actually in that church building, um, but at one time it had been a, a part of a different denomination, and the pastor used to take Hallmark cards into the pulpit, and his sermon came from that Hallmark card message for that Sunday. Uh, that's just a pep speech at best. It's not ministering of the Word, and the Word is the food for God's people. Amen. Amen. I, I, I also wonder, and, and this, is, this is the day and age where, you know, with social media, everybody get, can get on a social media all of a sudden, and this is, this is kind of a cliche, right? Everybody becomes an expert in everything. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I can give my, my opinion on here, and everything's opinion, 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 and we forget that there's actually some people that can give fact. And, and this is something I think is, is needed to be understood. The pastor has studied and has come to, this is what this passage is saying. He's not to get up there and just say, well, my opinion about this passage, right? Absolutely. He, in other words, I, I, I want to, I try to stay away from using this type of word, but he ought to be the expert, <laughs> right? Well, Especially, let's just say he's, he's looking at Romans 10. He ought to be the expert on what Romans 10 says. Now, does that mean he's right? Well, he can still be wrong. But let's not forget, he's put the work in. And I, I don't think the Bereans, when they were looking to go see, I don't think they were turned off to go get a second opinion like you would with a physician. I think they went back to the Old Testament and said, whoa, he was preaching from this. Uh, because, I, because and let, me, let, me, let me say, because not everybody had a Bible in their hand. Exactly. The Bereans, nobody had Bibles in their hands. And so when it says they went back to go check to see if what he said was the Word of God, they weren't able to bring the Bible into church. There's a lot of things that come into play here in terms of, but it really is back to the to being a church, yep. which has which has oversight, uh, which is not a lone wolf church with a guy setting up his own shop. 
So I mentioned creeds a moment ago. Those become important. So we ought to be able to walk into a church. You ought to be in a church where you know that you can do this. Yeah. That when you walk in, that preacher has been examined. He's been trained. He's been uh, authorized by a court of the church broader than him. And you ought to be able to say, I trust that he is the man that God is using to speak to me today. Now, I may be a little bit upset about the fact that he's wearing a stupid-looking tie or whatever, but that's beside the point. He's God's man preaching to me today, and that's what I need to look for and, and, right. and to listen to. That doesn't mean that there isn't in a possibility that you may end up hearing something that you are seriously convinced is is not what Scripture teaches, but there are avenues for te- for dealing with that yeah. properly, respectfully, That's and right. following those avenues, and not just saying, "Well, the preacher was wrong about this." Uh, I said this in my sermon this past Sunday. A sermon is not a buffet; it's not there for you to pick which piece of food you like and which and leave go which ones you don't. And the sure, sermon is right. all your food to you, and it's all good for you. One, one of the things I thought about when you said that was, and the church isn't a fast food restaurant where you can just have it your way. That's right. And if they don't give it your way, you go to the next one. That's right. You know? <laughs> I'm loving it. Ba, 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 ba. No, yeah, hopefully we can get some sponsors there, but I don't know. <laughs> but I, I think that's absolutely right. And it's, it's, one of the, it's one of the things that I think that Berean passage is misused. It can be. Very much so. And, and it becomes like what we said in our last, in our last episode, where um, the elders or even other people in the congregation be, feel like they now are the pastoral police. And, and what that ends up doing to a minister, I think you and I both could say this, is it forces the minister to do two things. He's being bullied, and he's going to have to walk on eggshells. Yeah. Because you never know how people are going to take what you're getting ready to say. Absolutely. So, um, preaching, 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 as Paul says, preach the word in season, out of season. Yes. If there is no word, uh, Amos talks about the fact that they will be, of course, that fits a particular context in the Old Testament. But if there's no word, the people are starving. Right, and and uh, one of the things that came out of our conference was maybe not this church, maybe not the church that we were doing the conference in, but there are plenty of churches across this country that are malnourished on the word. That aren't even even starved to death. That's right. Have been starved to death. And the challenge is preachers preach the word. Get back to your first love. Get back to this. Get back to what the job's title is. Your first thing is you're a licensed preacher. Get back to that. Of course, all of this, it, underlying all of this is the reality that we understand the Bible to be the Word of God. Absolutely. Trust, trustworthy. And so we don't challenge the Word of God. That's but right. Anyway, uh, absolutely preaching the Word of God in a way that applies to people's lives. That's the job of the pastor. And that takes us to the end of this episode. Thank you again for listening to From the Classroom of Heidelberg Theological Seminary.